I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. How much of an off season do you need? It is the middle of winter, and here we are again chatting about the off season. Sometimes I feel like we're beating an old horse with this topic of winter running and the off season, but it is extremely important to cover this topic because I know so many people who have questions or who completely drop the ball on running during this time of year. We want to encourage athletes to stay as consistent as possible with their training because coming back after taking months off when you maybe didn't intend to is not a fun journey. We have all been there before and sometimes you spend months just getting back into the same shape you were before. We are going to be chatting all about how long of an off season you should be taking based on your background and we're going to dive into some examples because everyone is so different and it's so important to figure out what works for you and so you might see someone on social media or on Strava taking two weeks completely off and you're sitting there wondering do I need to do that so we're going to give you some advice and some tips as to what an off season might look like and then just reviewing um, kind of the whole purpose of why we're taking this off season and then what you can do to get back into training because these off seasons and the time off are not intended to last indefinitely and they're definitely not intended to last the same duration as your racing season and your training that you did in the fall and in the summer. So we're going to chat a little bit about the duration there and then also the importance of getting back into things because I think we overemphasize this off season sometimes and it's really important to kind of get back into things, get back to consistently training so that you can reach that next level with your training because if you're someone who is doing that whole cycle of train really hard for four months, take three months off, train really hard for four months, take two months off, you're never actually going to reach your potential in this sport. And so I know a lot of listeners want to know what does it take to qualify for Boston? What does it take to reach that next level? And this is something that we really need to perfect if you really want to get everything that you can out of your fitness and out of your potential as an athlete. So Jason is here with me today. He has been an athlete for 20 years and he has taken several off seasons throughout his career personally and he's helped a lot of athletes navigate that off season. And so 
having experience at the high school and the college level is very unique because their off seasons are going to look a little bit different than someone who runs year round as a recreational competitive athlete, maybe training for a half marathon or marathon. So we're going to talk a little bit about the differences there. And I guess kicking things off, it would be great if we could have an example of what an off season might look like for a athlete who's training for something a little bit of short distance. Um, so I know your background is in coaching the high school and college level, and they tend to kind of max out at about the 10 K, but typically doing about, you know, three to four mile races. So that's something that's a little bit shorter distance. So if someone is listening and that is their background and that is what they have been doing, what do you recommend as their off season? And can it even be comparable to what a college athlete might do for their off season? Yeah, I think this is such a great topic because it is such an individualized thing when we think about off season. And um, for me, when I hear that word, you know, I think of it could just be a period of like six weeks or it could also be a period of like five months because I know up here in like Minnesota, a lot of times people might do their fall races and then they might be done in October and they may not do anything until March. And so, you know, we look at that long off season. And so um, that can go through a lot of different phases during your off season. And, and speaking to that runner who is sort of, um, you know, maxing out at maybe a 5K, 10K distance, um, a lot of times their runs are going to be under, you know, they're going to be in the single digit ranges. So they're not, reco- they're not recovering from a marathon distance or anything that was that dem- demanding. And so a lot of times maybe they only need like a, a week off of not running. And then they can ease back into it with some shorter runs, um, you know, maybe even incorporating some strides and some strength work. And so that's kind of how we would unpack what the off season, off season should look like for each athlete. It'll depend on um, the race distance, what their volume was like, and that sort of thing. Right. I know it can be so individual from person to person and from athlete to athlete. And the bottom line is we need to take that off season because you just had a really stressful season of training. So if you're someone listening and you didn't um, have a season of training, right? So maybe you're not in your off season. So really what comes before that off season is that hard um, training and usually a goal race at the end of that. So there's really no need to take an off season unless you just had a training cycle or you just have been training for a really long time and you haven't taken any downtime. Um, So if you're someone who's maybe be just getting back from an injury or you're someone who didn't really train for any events last summer, but you were running um, fairly consistently, uh, you don't necessarily need to take these off seasons. These off seasons are more designed um, for a period of macro rest after a macro training cycle, right? So we take those weekly rest days and this is more of like a several week um, rest period for your body to really do a deep repair after a goal race. And you're going to see athletes from all ability levels taking um, these off seasons because it is really important that whole stress plus rest equals growth. We have to have that rest portion on a macro scale so that we can recover and then rebound into that next peak. Um, And we want to make sure that we don't take too much time completely off. So let's speak more so to the people who, you know, we had that project 26.2 group. So a lot of people are coming off of these fall marathons or maybe even a half marathon. And you did like this huge training cycle, five, six months of training and building. um, And then they had their goal race. 
And now it's, you know, off season time. When should you start getting back into training and what should that look like? Like, let's say you took two, two weeks completely off after your marathon or one week completely off. What does it look like when you're 30 days removed from that marathon? What would you recommend an athlete do in order to set themselves up for success next year? Yeah, great question. A lot of that will depend on what their training was like during the marathon, how many days a week they were running, what their mileage was like. Um, But, you know, a good rule of thumb, I would say if you're three, four weeks out um, from your event, you've taken your rest period, um, start running a couple days a week. Maybe that's every other day. Um, Maybe that's every third day. It'll kind of just depend on, you know, those previous factors I mentioned. But um, and as far as like the distance go, it might just be a few miles, might maybe up to 30 minutes a run. but we're not really introducing any any new stimulus yet, at least for a couple of weeks, because we want to just run easy, make sure that we are able to run without any um, sort of delayed, um, you know, sore spots that start to creep in. Because I know sometimes I've, I've, after a marathon, my first few runs back go okay, but then all of a sudden on the fifth, sixth run, that's where I start to notice something. And so um, for that reason, we want to avoid doing any sort of speed work um, early on. Definitely. And I think starting back slow is key. And what a lot of runners will end up getting in the trap of is they take their two, three, four weeks off, and then they're so used to what their marathon training looked like that they try to jump into something that's similar because that's really what's fresh just in their mind. Um, And so you don't want to have the pendulum swing like in the completely opposite direction. You really want to think of this as like building a foundation, right? So it's maybe you're going to start with every other day running. Um, Maybe you're going to do 45 minutes runs instead of, you know, your average 60 minute run that you were doing, uh, we're going to go very slow on this build back. So those first four to six weeks after a marathon, you're probably not going to be doing much of the same volume that you would do during a marathon training cycle. And like you said, keeping a lot of that mileage easy and that's going to vary from athlete to athlete. So if you're feeling totally fine and fresh after four weeks, you know, you can reintroduce some strides. You can start doing some fart legs, some steady state runs. Um, we don't have to be overly cautious once we get, you know, about four weeks removed from the marathon. You can start doing some workouts, but we don't want to go crazy with these workouts. We want to make sure that they're just a little bit on the lighter side because like we were saying, you have to start really easy and then progressively build from there. So what if someone, you know, 30 days removed from this marathon is still experiencing an extreme amount of fatigue and they just cannot get back into the groove because it is such a difference from going from marathon training, you know, your peak mileage, you feel great, you do the race and then you take all this time off. Sometimes people just have a hard time getting back into their routine, maybe mentally, and maybe it's also physical. So what is something that you would recommend for someone who's really struggling physically to get back into things? Um, should they see a PT? Like what would be the go-to? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I would probably only see a PT if things aren't feeling right, like physically, like, you know, you're just feeling um, maybe just constantly sore in a certain area or something like that. But if it's just general overall, not feeling your greatest, like feeling sluggish, I think that that can be normal. It'll obviously depend on, um, you know, the time of year and your training and all of that. But, and, you know, maybe too, like how many marathons that you've done. Cause I know sometimes, um, the more experienced you are, you might not experience that as much. And so I think it's, it's all normal. And so one way we can kind of see like, if that continues on is, 
um, you know, really emphasizing good, good sleep and nutrition. And then as you start to reintroduce some of those strides or those just kind of short fart, like workouts, see how those go. See if your body starts to kind of bounce back after you're changing the pace and your gait and all of that a little bit. And so if, if that still isn't seeming, you know, if that still isn't, um, seeming to help you, then I would, you know, reevaluate, um, really the, how much time you ended up taking off and, and starting to reduce mileage overall. Yeah, definitely. A lot of those extra fatigue things that will pop up after the marathon when you're 30 days removed can sometimes be a result of not taking enough time off immediately after that marathon race. So that's why it is really critical to take the time that you need immediately after so that your body can really repair itself and then you get back into training. But it's never too late. So now is the time, right? Like don't force yourself back into things um, if you're feeling extra fatigued. And I would actually advise if you're feeling just out of the ordinary fatigue, all of those things, maybe getting some blood work done, um, checking your iron levels, checking your vitamin D levels, because after 30 days of minimal running, I would think that you would start to kind of feel like your old self. And we just want to make sure that there's not any underlying issues going on. And like you said, if you are feeling some sort of injury or imbalance, now's the time to see a PT. So it's really important to lay that strong foundation and to make sure all of our ducks are in a row before we go into this off-season training period because I have seen athletes sometimes they don't really have a lot of respect for this um, that month after the marathon maybe they run a little bit too much and then they reach about four weeks removed and they feel very fatigued but they continue pushing themselves through an off-season training only to reach the end of their off-season and realize they're actually exhausted um, or that maybe their blood like maybe the the low iron um, does doesn't get identified until later on down the road. So now is the time to kind of get all of your ducks in a row, make sure everything's good. And then as you head into, you know, once it's been four weeks, that's when I would really recommend adding in some strides, doing some progression runs, um, and just testing the waters. We don't want to do it all at once, but maybe, you know, two days a week, do strides the first week. And then the next week you can do a progression run or a steady state We're not going to go into doing super structured workouts. Like I wouldn't recommend doing like five by one mile, um, five weeks out from your marathon, but you want to start, um, easing back into some speed and then slowly increasing your volume also at the same time so that you are getting back to more of a baseline foundational. Um, and I would think that when you're two months out from that marathon, you can start creeping back up to maybe what your sweet spot mileage would be if you do have goals for later um, next year. So when you're about eight to 10 weeks after your marathon, you might be at your sweet spot mileage. So Jason, can you explain maybe what this sweet spot mileage is and how it differs from the peak mileage that maybe you were running during marathon training? Yeah, I would say kind of that sweet spot would be um, the amount where you feel good. You feel like maybe you're holding back a little bit. And that kind of brought up a good point Um, when you were referring to the end of your off season, how you don't want to feel burnt out or just exhausted, right? So the goal coming out of the off season is to feel this way where you feel um, like you could be doing more, like you feel like you're in your sweet spot. You've almost been holding back in terms of either intensity in workouts or in overall mileage. And so that is how you're going to set yourself up um, for a successful like racing season as you get into your next, you know, training cycle. 
Yes, definitely. Um, That whole point of not burning yourself out during an off season, I think as a cross country coach, you have probably seen this happen a number of times because you're having high school or college athletes um, who maybe don't have a lot of experience or guidance and you're not allowed to have contact with them over those summer months, um, which is when they traditionally have their off season. And so you have a plethora of different athletes, some of which don't run at all, um, some of which run too much or they do something like run a marathon, um, which isn't recommended, but you can always kind of tell when they come back who overdid it because they just don't have that extra, extra edge. Um, so what would happen to someone if they were to overdo it? And maybe what are some signs that, you know, you might be overdoing it during this off season? Cause I wouldn't want to tell anyone, Hey, train less if they aren't training enough. Right. But what are some warning signs that someone maybe is edging on doing too much in an off season setting? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously physical, the, the things that you mentioned earlier, like low energy, um, you know, sore, sore spots, that sort of thing. Obviously you want to make sure your, your levels are all within the normal ranges, but also just mentally, like, are you feeling kind of drained and do you dread going on your runs or is it something you kind of look forward to? Is it sort of a brighter part of your day? Um, so those could be signs that you're maybe just like trying to do a bit too much. And so scaling it back, figuring out what is a routine that is, um, you know, attainable for me right now. And sometimes we just need that, that little bit of a break because we were just on the go for so long. And, you know, in the off season, a lot of times for people that a lot of times is during like holidays or other busy times with family. And so you want to make sure that you're not, you know, overdoing it with all of your work life stressors. Right. It's a funny balance because you don't want to overdo it, but at the same time, you don't want to like do nothing and give yourself a total out in every pass in the book. Um, if you do have goals, it is important that you stay consistent during your off season and that you work towards them. Um, so yes, take time off and go easy on yourself a little bit, but at the same time, don't let yourself completely fall off that bandwagon and don't make um, you know regular life things that are going on become like a huge excuse um, not to train. And of course, that is to say, you know, if you don't really care about your training that much, um, that's fine. But if you're someone who's like, I really want to qualify for Boston, I really want to hit this time next year, you really have to like take your training seriously during this time and you have to be consistent and using a ton of excuses like, oh, the holidays and I want to take um, these extra days off just because I'm not feeling it. Uh, that that works if you truly are not feeling it, but I would really go down to, okay, why am I not feeling it? And making sure your blood work is okay and all of those things, because those excuses usually have like an underlying reason. Um, so really just investigating those things and not letting it totally overtake your, um, your training and stuff during this time. Because if you have goals, you really have to be consistent and show up and work towards them. And that's a lot of what sets athletes apart. I mean, we do athlete spotlights all the time and people are like, oh, how long does it take to go from like that five hour, 30 minute marathon to the 330? Because um, we, we have some athletes that have done that. And it's like, well, to take two hours off your marathon, everything has to change, right? Like, I mean, you have to be so dedicated and 
what sets these athletes apart. I mean, it takes almost a decade to do something like that, seven mm-hmm. years. Um, and really it's just consistency. It's showing up it's year after year. And that's maybe like the secret that people are looking for, but it is something where it just becomes like an ingrained routine in your life. And it is really important to make sure that you are being consistent during this off season. And I do think that that is really what sets people apart who reach that next level and who reach their potential versus people who kind of hover around the same, um, the same fitness level, uh, because I've seen it just play out so many times. I mean, we've been coaching for, for a very long time and just seeing athletes who have a lot of potential sometimes will take extended off seasons or they'll take extra time off. And and that's fine if that's what you want to do. But if you say that your goal is X and you're wasting, you know, three months of not training, you're, you're never going to be able to, to reach that next level of fitness. Um, so it is really important. So do you have any examples or personal experience of where you wished you would have been more consistent and that this is a real thing that I think a lot of athletes struggle with because I'm not saying that we do it perfectly either. And sometimes it's just hard to just speak that, but it's like, this could just coming from experience myself. And I know that you've also experienced the same thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially early on in like my marathon career, I would always take these long, you know, off season breaks after I thought, you know, why not? It's winter. And so I probably would go weeks without running. And then when I would start running again, it would be maybe like once a week with a friend or something on the weekends. And so, um, you know, what I found was it was really hard to get back to just like the consistent routine because I had been away from it for so long. And I think that's why it's, Mm -hmm. it's really good to allow yourself like those, you know, maybe that two week full break of no running and then just starting to incorporate um, some runs or some sort of cross training, getting back to like a, a schedule and a routine where you're prioritizing your fitness. Um, and it could even be just doing things like yoga or strength training, just just so that you're used to like disconnecting from everything else and making the fitness a priority. And it becomes easier to kind of get back to like getting your runs in. Cause I was someone that I would always keep putting other things, you know, in front of the running. And like, I would just keep pushing it to the back burner and then all of a sudden the races are coming up in the spring and I'm wondering why I'm not in good shape. Yeah, no, I love the honesty there because I think so many people experience the same thing and, you know, you can look at you as an example, you know, what you're talking about happened over a decade ago. These are things that you did, you know, in your twenties and now it's like you're approaching being a master's runner in your forties. And and I bet sometimes you like kick yourself like, well, if I just could have, you know, dedicated a little bit more during that off season, you know, who knows what my potential would have been in the sport. And so for anyone listening, who's like doubting that it matters or thinking like, oh, like it won't make a difference. Like your life is short and and it probably will make a difference. And so why would you not like go all in and, and see what you're capable of doing? And a lot of people ask me like, how, how do you do it? Like, how do you, I'm always so exhausted. And it's like, you know, there is that level of, yeah, you're, there's, you're always going to have an excuse. You're always going to say, you know, I'm tired, I'm fatigued. And as long as there's nothing like medically wrong, right. Or anything wrong with your blood work. Um, you just have to kind of make that decision that this is really what you're going for. And if that's your goal, sometimes it's just a matter of doing the hard thing and, and not letting, uh, you know, some of the excuses that maybe popped up. Like I know you were in grad school and you were busy with, I mean, you were a teacher and all of those things. So, you know, it's hard to be like, well, you, you made excuses, but at the end of the day it's like you're you're responsible for your own goals and so putting other things ahead of running sometimes that totally makes sense but at the same time if you really want to reach these crazy goals like if you really wanted to see what your marathon potential was you would have had to 
you know, maybe make running a higher priority than it was. But I think maybe you were satisfied with kind of like your level of marathoning and, and the idea of putting in that much more work because you just know like how hard you have to work to actually get to that next level, which is crazy. So I don't know for anyone listening, maybe that's kind of like, you know, some tough love, but really evaluating, like if, if that is your goal, you have to look at what you have to do to get there. And maybe that's reevaluating your goals, but maybe it's reevaluating how you approach your training too. So I think that's, that's important. And, um, the off season is that time where I think it's like a make it or break it. I mean, most people can get through a training cycle. Most people can train when there's races on the calendar, but like what we saw in 2020 and stuff, like some people just couldn't do it. It is just, it wasn't, um, they couldn't string it together and you know, myself included, right? I mean, there's just been times where I'm like, I don't care. Right. But you have to really, if you want, if you want this and if you want 2020 to be your year, you gotta show up, you gotta do the little things. And that, that means making time for running, um, and all of, the other stuff. So I know during this off season, people always like to ask about, um, you know, how do I add in biking, cross training, lifting, yoga, all, all this extra stuff on top of running. Um, so how would you have someone approach that question of like, oh, how do I fit it all in? Cause I know sometimes people think they have to like do all of the things and like totally be 100% committed. If you were going to explain to someone how to be the most effective in getting to reach their potential in 2020, 22, um, what, what should they leave out? What should they focus on in terms of exercises? Right. Cause I mean, there's literally limitless stuff. I, I had some people direct message me the other day, like how many Peloton classes on the bike should I take per week? And, and we get a lot of these questions and they're serious questions because you get information coming at you from everywhere. And you're like, Oh yeah, I should cross train more during the off season. It's like, well, actually, what is your take on the whole cross training during the off season? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's it's such a unique, you know, it's an individualized answer because a lot of it is going to boil down to like um, just how your experience with running, how motivated you are, um, how long your off season is going to be. Like all these factors are going to play into it, right? Like what do you have access to in terms of um, the the cross training? Because I know the people that invested in a Peloton, they probably want to use it, right? So um, I think that, you know, the best time to start obviously would be right after your um, – your, uh, your break. So maybe that break is one week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is where you don't really run a step. Um, you don't really, you're not really active. You're allowing your body kind of a complete reset. And then, you know, maybe after a week or two, then you can start to introduce the occasional cross training, the ride on the Peloton, whatever it is, um, exercise video. Um, and then the swimming would be great too, cause it's really low impact. And then, um, just sort of kind of getting back into sprinkling a little bit of, you know, everything. So the recipe for success, I would say for the next few weeks would be kind of giving yourself uh, an exposure to all those activities. And then depending on our time frame that we have to work with, um, and really like how committed you are and how, you know, how you're feeling when you do do your runs, that's going to play a role into like how much we should be running versus like biking and that sort of thing. And so, I think it's good to incorporate those other areas, especially if you're not the most motivated runner, because it can help you. Like I was mentioning earlier with just getting into the routine mm-hmm. of being active. Yeah, there's that like, mental aspect and then there's a physical aspect, right? So if you're someone who just like loves a Peloton bike, like you just want to jam out, you want to take these classes and that's like going to be 
everything to you, then take it, right? Like take the class if that's what you love. If you love swimming, like do those things um, just so that you're staying active, you're getting the cross training. But if you are like, I I hate doing all of that or like, what's the point? Like don't do them. You know what I mean? Like don't do that. You have to just focus on your running because really when it comes down to it, the most bang for your buck that you can do to become a faster runner is to run. And I think a lot of the times people try to like, beat around that or they try to oh but I'm cycling a lot and it's like well that's great if you love it but really when it comes down to it if you can run more and your body handles the mileage and you're not overdoing it those sort of things you should be really dialed in on that running if your goals are running related you know if you're training for a try that's a little bit different but if you're saying you know I want to qualify for Boston I want to run a really fast marathon well we should really be focusing on running. And if you have to do a Peloton class in order to like feel alive and like feel jazzed up and, and you just love doing it, then we can add those things in. But I, or if you're a newer runner and you, and you don't have the mileage to run, you know, every day or five days a week or whatever, then we can add in Peloton. But I, I just don't like the idea of like people being confused. You want to really be sure that every workout that you are doing has a purpose and that purpose could be mental. It could be, I really just really want to do this. Um, but we don't want to just be doing workouts because we think, oh, you know, biking and running, same thing. It's not the same thing. Like it will never be the same thing. You will never get the same results from biking as you will from running. So don't aimlessly just do things during the off season. You want to be focused. And that's why I think working with a coach in the off season is really important because the coach can help you focus because there's so much that can happen during this off season. And if you Google right now, like off season training plan, you're really not going to find as many good resources as you would for like a marathon training plan, right? So you want to make sure you're doing something and you're going in the right direction because you can grind all day. You can do all these workouts. You can take all these fitness classes, Zumba, all, all of the things. But if you're not moving in a direction towards your goals and dreams, then it, are you really spending your time wisely? So yes, I'm all for fitness and everything, but if you have performance related goals when it comes to running, you really have to know what is going to give you the most bang for your buck. Um, and then evaluating that trade-off, you know, maybe you love Zumba classes. So is it worth it to you to either double up that day or just skip the Zumba class? You know, you really have to be analyzing those things. And sometimes having a coach can help you really analyze like the pros and the cons of those things. So are you someone who enjoys cross training in your off season or are you someone that would maybe lean more towards, I'm just going to go for a run. Um, or do you think it's changed for you over the years? Um, I think, yeah, I think it has changed a little bit over the years. You know, when I got a nice bike, I was a little more motivated to, to ride that. Or when we first found out about Zwift, when we had the indoor trainer, you know, we do a little bit of that, but, um, yeah, it also depends on too if I wanted to do a triathlon or not like that summer. So I think for the most part though, my go-to was just go for a run. I felt like that was the easiest. Mm-hmm. It required very little like prep or thought. You just like, you know, get dressed, put your shoes on. So, um, but yeah, I think a lot of it depends on like those factors that you mentioned as well as like if you're an injury prone runner, because I think over the years I've kind of noticed like I need to um, maybe not run as much as I'd like to just because I have had my my calf flares up pretty easily on me so I really have to watch it with like strength training and that sort of thing so getting extra time I think on the bike or in the pool has helped me kind of keep my aerobic base higher so um, if you're that type of athlete you know by all means um, you know sprinkle in a little bit of everything and then 
I've also had athletes that like to do the Peloton just one day a week instead of taking that uh, another rest day. They do that. So they, they run five days a week, they Peloton one day, and then they rest one day. And that ends up being like their weekly um, routine pretty much throughout the whole training cycle. And so I think it's such an individualized approach. Um, you know, there's no wrong answer here. Right, definitely. And I know that each individual is so different and unique. And even within an athlete's career, there may be times where they're coming back from an injury. Maybe they're coming back after having a kid where your training may look a little bit different than, you know, your regular run of the mill. So one off season, you might do more cross training than others and and vice versa. But finding out what works for you is really important. So if you're someone who is injury prone, I think like you were saying, doing more cross training, um, within, you know, your whole training cycle in general is, is important. You never want to overdo it. Right. Um, and, and that's important to know, but if you're someone who isn't injury prone, I think adding a little bit more doing, um, the build back of mileage, you know, 10% per week, getting back to that sweet spot mileage, um, slowly adding in workouts are all good things to do. So if you're feeling really good and you feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm excited. I'm jazzed up. I don't have a history of injury. You don't need to hold yourself back too much. Once you get to, you know, six to eight weeks post marathon, you don't need to really intentionally hold yourself back. Cause you've kind of reached the, the part of your off season where you can start adding back in some workouts. Um, so once we get to that portion where we're maybe two months removed from that marathon, I know we're having this unleash the speed training that is going on and will be happening all the way through February. So we are having our athletes kind of shifting focus, working a little bit more on speed. So a lot of our athletes are going to be doing, um, some shorter distance stuff, like 30 second intervals, um, some tempo work, but nothing that's too crazy high volume in terms of, um, training and mileage and stuff like that, which can be a really good shift of focus. And just, that's something that you can ease into slowly. And I think the really key part here is during the off season, allowing yourself to kind of shift focus. So a lot of the people who are doing this speed work, focus on longer distance events during the summer. And so I think switching focus and allowing yourself to use a little bit more of the fast twitch fibers, focus a little bit more on strength training can be really important. So what do you think the benefits are for our athletes who are doing this unleash the speed, um, you know, within two months of finishing their marathon training? And is there anything they should be cautious of? Yeah, I think for being cautious, just ease into it, you know, make sure you are feeling good physically recovering from the those first few workouts. Um, and then I think, yeah, the benefits are huge, right? Because a lot of times people that started running later in life or they are marathoners, you know, they haven't, a lot of them haven't reached their potential in the shorter distance races. You know, we saw last year, we had so many people do the one mile program and um, they were PRing almost like every time they'd run it. And so I think it's just a great opportunity to push yourself and work on kind of that mental, um, you know, the, the mental toughness side, you know, the aspect of that you gain from um, having to persevere and push through sort of the, the feeling of like when you're really running out of energy, um, how do you push past that wall? And so how do you cope with that? How do you learn to tolerate the acidosis build up in your muscles? Um, all of those things, I think there's a lot of benefits. And then when you, you know, start to lengthen your your runs again you get back to those longer distance runs or races i think they just feel a little bit easier because you are a little bit more fit 
Yeah, definitely. Switching focus is huge. And like you said, last year when we had the the one mile speed program, it was amazing just to see people push themselves in the shorter distance, the anaerobic and utilizing maybe some of those dormant fast twitch muscles that weren't being really used um, during the marathon. Because the marathon is like 99% aerobic. And then here we are switching to something, um, you know, the one mile race being I don't know, is it 50% or like 75% aerobic? I mean, we can get, we can run for about two, two and a half minutes most um, running anaerobic. So you're looking at probably like a 60, 40 or 70, 30. Yeah. It it just depends on like how fast you're running that mile, right? So if you're running like a four minute mile, obviously it's like 50%, (laughs) but um, most of us aren't running a four minute mile here. So it it depends on the person, but that anaerobic speed is is really fun to kind of tap into something a little bit different. Um, And then obviously like the faster you can run, a one mile, a two mile, 5k, that is something that can translate into, you know, a faster marathon. And I think we've said this before on the podcast, you know, Jason, you ran your first marathon after, I don't know, like 12 years of running, but all of that was like 5k's, like the longest distance race you did before that. I mean, obviously you did a half leading up, but most of the races that you did were like one mile and 5k. And then when you go to do your first marathon, can you describe the experience? I feel like it was kind of anticlimactic. It, you didn't really train that much, but your time was extremely fast. And that's mainly because of your aerobic base and speed training going into it. Yeah. I mean, it was still a pretty fast time, but when you compare it to like, um, you know, like where my potential was in the shorter races, it was still quite a bit of ways off, like 15, 20 minutes off. So um, and that was due to the fact that I, I just hadn't trained aerobically. I hadn't spent the time on my feet. I wasn't used to like feeling what it felt like to hit mile 20, you know, and hit the wall. So, um, but yeah, it definitely is, um, you know, if you can train and get as fit as possible, I think it's easier than to add in the endurance and to just kind of build up that way as opposed to doing the opposite. So I think that there's definitely benefits there. Oh yeah. And you know, having a first marathon be like 258, I think it was, is that what you ran? Yeah. Yeah, 258 first marathon. That, I mean, that sounds crazy, right? But like you were saying, you're training, you could get, you could probably knock out like 16, 70 miles in two hours or under. So if, you know, a lot of people listening, like even myself, when I think of a two hour run, like I'm thinking, oh, what, maybe get 13 miles. Um, Some people it's like, they're lucky to get, you know, 10 miles in, in two hours. So it's just the time on your feet. You can get so many more miles in less time when you are a faster athlete. So I think there's a, that advantageous part of like focusing on speed first before going, um, into the longer distance because it, everything becomes less time consuming if you're out there for, for less time and all that stuff. And, and that's all relative to the person too. I mean, even from when I started marathoning and I was like a, like a, 4.08 or something was my first marathon time. Um, training, doing those long runs, it's like every long run I did, I thought, you know, I had to be out there for three plus hours because, um, you know, I tried to get to that 20 mile long run number. And when you're going um, whatever pace I was running, it was always over three hours. So that's when, you know, now it's like when I'm training for a marathon, I can knock out a 20 miler in like two and a half hours. So it's just a little bit different. Um, and it's all individual. So even if you personally are able to knock off like 30 seconds per mile, 
that that's going to add up, right? Over the span of 26.2 miles, that's, that's 13 minutes, right? So thinking about, okay, if I can focus on my one mile, shave off 30 seconds, what does that mean? You know, like, what does that mean for my potential in the longer distance races? And that is what I did, um, to shave the time off my marathon. It's like, I totally shifted focus. I, I started working on the 5k and, um, just having that raw speed allowed me to, spend less time marathon training. Like when I was going out there doing my 20 milers and and just having more speed, more confidence, all of the things, um, will get you into a better place going into, um, a marathon training cycle, in my opinion. Um, and a lot of my athletes really enjoyed training for the one mile as well. I feel like they all surprised themselves. They were all way faster than they thought they were going to run. And I was really surprised with some of them. I'm like, whoa, you have some serious speed, right? Like I had um, athletes who were like 40 plus and they ran their first sub six minute mile, which which is really, really impressive and exciting because it's like, I know what that means for um, the longer distance races. So have you ever seen any of your athletes or seen people make a similar shift for when they're changing from that short distance into long distance? Um, yeah, I definitely have, you know, like you, I I had some athletes that really were pumped when they broke six or the goal was like to break seven and they maybe ran like seven twenty eight on their first one. And then by the end they were running like six fifty eight. And so it was just cool to see such a jump. And a lot of that was, yeah, it was physical, but it was also mental, like learning how to just pace it, how to stay confident, um, just getting those reps in, right? Like those speed endurance reps, um, you start to feel better doing them and the more consistent you can be like from your first rep to your sixth or your seventh rep. I, I think that's, that's really key. And then focusing too on like negative splits, that helps a lot because it builds confidence and it makes sure that you're conserving the energy and you're saving it for the, for the end and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I think just training, you know, for your training, um, based on like what your weakness areas are, I think can pay off a ton. And so for me, it was always like the mileage. And so, um, you know, the, the couple of years thinking back to college when I actually put the mileage in in the off season or the summer, I had great cross country seasons that fall. And the years where I just, uh, I didn't really train that much. It was just kind of minimal. Um, it took me, I spent half the season tra- training just to get in shape. And so, um, you know, we see that a lot right now with adults. Um, the people that are training during the off season typically uh, have a better buildup during their training cycle versus the people that spend half their training cycle trying to get back in shape before their goal race. No, I love what you just said about like focusing on your weakness because we're spending so much time talking about like speed work and all that stuff. And that is really important. I think for some runners, right? Like some runners, they're just on that marathon hamster wheel. They, they got to come off so that they can kind of get some of that speed. And, you know, maybe you're, you were listening to some of us and we're talking about sub five, some six minute mile. It doesn't matter like where you start, right? Like you'd be, I, I had some athletes who were like pumped because they could get under like a 12 minute mile. Right. Um, so it's just shaving time off wherever your baseline starting point is. If you're someone who's like, I have no speed. Um, that's why speed work would be great, right? Like if you feel like I have one gear, it's like, let's tap into the next gear. Like let's, let's find that next gear. Um, that's why speed work can be really fun. But there's also athletes that are like you and and similar to me, you know, after when I started focusing more on the 5k, I started realizing like, Hey, I have some speed. I, I, I preferred speed, right? There's some people who prefer speed. I'm like, I'm better at speed now that I focused on it. And and I know, 
you were better at speed too. I mean, you're a 414 miler, um, but your marathon time doesn't really like translate as well. And even if you look at like my 5k time running, um, you know, in the 1830 range, but a lot of my marathons were always kind of in that three teens, three twenties. When some people would look at me and go, you should have broke three. And it's like, well, yeah, but I avoid doing <laughs> the, the training that I know is going to, um, really help me. And so, for some people who maybe have more of like that track background, that raw speed background, what you should be doing in the off season is some longer stuff, right? Like maybe that's increasing your mileage and, and maybe it's a little bit different um, for you in that case. So that's something that's always about finding out what your weakness is as an individual and then working towards that. Um, so longer, long runs, right? Like doing, doing higher mileage, maybe if, if you're someone who can handle it and, and facing um, those weaknesses can help pay off in the long run. So there's no like one size fits all approach to your off season, but I do think focusing on your weaknesses, making sure you're shifting gears, um, making sure you're growing as an individual as, and as an athlete. So personal development, super important. And just making sure you're staying consistent with your training is also important. And like we said, it's not a cookie cutter approach. You, you don't want to just do what everyone else is doing. You want to do what's going to work best for you. And that's why working with a coach can be a total game changer for your training. And we offer a free seven day trial at run for prs So if you are interested in working with a coach, figuring out what your weaknesses are and working towards making them your strengths, we would love to get to know more about you and help you achieve those things. So if you fill out the form at www.runforprs.com, we would love to get to know a little bit more about you, have you fill out our athlete intake form, get you started with a coach, have these conversations with you and really nail down what you can be focusing on during this off season. So again, filling out the form at www.runforprs.com and we would love to start that conversation with you and get you to meeting your potential in this sport. Thanks for tuning in.